run, party, repeat. Welcome to the East Coast Adventures Dirt and Vert Podcast, where we talk all things running, racing, and training to help you get ready for your next big adventure. Learn from our successes and our failures and have fun at the same time. Join us right here every week with inspiring guests who share their captivating tales from the trails. And remember, nobody cares. Run faster. All right. Welcome back. We're East Coast Adventures with the Dirt and Vert Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Matt. And we have special guest today, Micah Morgan. Uh, Micah's been running for a few years now, but still fairly new. But uh, one of the interesting things about Micah is that he is now kind of helped with East Coast Adventures. He, mm-hmm. You've probably seen him a little bit on the Dirt and Vert page. He uh, is kind of taking some of that over for us. And you'll see a little bit more of Micah over the next few years as we uh, use him some to help us with these races. So, Micah, if you don't care, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into running. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for uh, for having me here. Um, so, I first my first journey, my journey kind of really began uh, in February of 2021. <clears throat> Found myself about uh, 350 pounds with a 10-month-old daughter. And I uh, decided I needed to make a change. So between February of 2021 to uh, about October of 2021, I went on a weight loss journey. And uh, about October of that year, I uh, kind of really started to plateau. I had lost about 90 pounds at that point. I uh, really accomplished a lot of my goals in terms of weight loss. Um, uh, stayed pretty steady in the gym every day working out. Was really diligent with that. Um, but just kind of hit a plateau. Um, didn't really feel connected uh, to any real community. Um, definitely didn't uh, connect with gym culture, anything like that. So wasn't really too in too in tune with trying to continue in on the weightlifting, um, strength training side of things. So kind of kind of plateaued a little bit. And um, I don't know. I just kind of uh, yeah, 2021 was kind of the year. It was kind of still COVID. So a lot of races that typically were spring races had kind of floated to the fall. And it was about that time that uh, the uh, Knoxville Marathon was having their series of races. So uh, it was Wednesday before the Saturday race. And I had saw that uh, the races were still open for registration. And I hadn't registered yet. Uh, I hadn't done anything yet. hadn't really had a plan to run. Uh, just signed up for a 5K. And uh, that day... Went and jumped on a treadmill, uh, first treadmill run probably. Uh, <laughs> ran uh, ran three miles uh, to say that I could do it, and then that Saturday uh, showed up um, my first run. Um, growing up, I I participated in a variety of sports, um, from swimming to uh, marksmanship, um, uh, shooting pellet guns, pellet pistols, and high rifles. So. Not a, running, a lot of running involved in those sports. So uh, in college, I played a little bit of rugby. Um, but uh, even at that time, I was on the heavier side. So we didn't, we don't do a whole lot of uh, position I played. doesn't do a whole lot of running for that position. So I hadn't really had any experience with running in any capacity with anything I had done prior. So, um, so yeah, so that Saturday morning, uh, 5K showed up with my daughter in a stroller. And it was kind of a uh, moment of rebirth. Uh, being reborn with her. Um, there was something magical about that day. It was a very uh, difficult run, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, 30.15, I think, is what my time was for a 5K. 
uh, pushed my daughter the whole time um, in the stroller, um, uh, finished it, kind of fell down and was like, okay, uh, this is hard. Uh, mm-hmm. I want I want more of this. So from there, I uh, signed up for a half marathon that was supposed to be ran that following February. Um, mixed in a little bit of five Ks and ten five uh, Ks leading up to that half marathon. Uh, ran that half marathon February of 2022 uh, down Greenville, South Carolina, um, and finished it and hurt. Everything hurt. Um, it's probably a good thing that it was on the day that it was. It was on a Sunday uh, or a Saturday. I can't quite remember, but I remember finishing that and feeling, you know, kind of elated. It was kind of one of those magical moments of just like I told my sister, I was like, I want to get a tattoo of the of the race logo on 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 this race day. And obviously, you know, you call a tattoo shop on Saturday afternoon. They're not likely going to let you get a tattoo. So it's probably a good thing. I had uh, since then had a lot more. Uh, a lot more aspirations with running than that half marathon, uh, but it was a good start. It was uh, it was a great start for me. So um, ended up, you know, you know, I I think back on it, uh, leading up to the day before or the week before the half marathon, uh, I think the biggest motivator for me was when when somebody, aka my uh, boss, uh, the guy that owns our company, uh, told me that he didn't think I could do it under two hours, and. Um, that was a big, big motivator for me because, of course, I had to prove them wrong. So, um, of course, I went out there and did it in two hours, you know, and, and just accomplished what I wanted to accomplish and um, felt great doing it. Um, and so that was February of 22, um, and kind of everything went downhill or uphill from there, depending on how you look at it. Um, February 22, I ran that. Um, and then following that race, the first trail run I ever did, was um, Big Ridge uh, with Knoxville Trail Series. Um, and um, that was my first time ever on trails. And that is a very hilly course. How many miles uh, is that? It's an 11 miler. Okay. Um, and it's about 2,500 feet of vert over those 11 miles. So that is pretty uh, good. With a really, really big death climb. And that was my first day ever out on trails. Um, was that trail race, and um, I uh, did pretty, uh, I say pretty decent. I, fe- I felt like when I accomplished it, I felt like, okay, I can really improve it this time. Um, I can really I can really do this trail thing. So I uh, went from there. I did that one, and then um, the half marathons and those kind of things dropped off. Um, the 5Ks dropped off, and I was sold on trails. I don't think uh, – I think after the half marathon, I don't think I've ever done another – uh, road race since then so it was all all on trails it kind of came alive on the trail so i did that and then i did um the next one i did if i if i can remember right um i did a bunch of knoxville trail series races but the next one that was really um uh pivotal for me was when we went out to northern boundary that same year I was just a month or so later. I think it was in March or April. I think it's the March. I think the Whitestone was that year was in February. So they've moved them around a little bit. But it was it was it was shortly after um, Big Ridge that I did um, did Northern Boundary, and that's a 14 mile. They say it's half marathon, you know, whatever. It's 14 <laughs> plus mile. And uh, was running out there, and I ran into um, Melinda Honkus, who um, we all know, we all love Melinda Honkus. Um, mm-hmm. 
and she's kind of uh, really was uh, the person that was really intricate in introducing me to East Coast Adventures, which has been a uh, very key key contributor to my journey and my progress in the sport um, in my community. Um, so I ran, I ran that one, um, and then uh, was quickly encouraged by her to run to run longer and to run more. <laughs> so I had signed up. I had signed up for Three Sisters and ended up going out Three Sisters and um, met an idiot who was running in sandals. I think his name was David Compton. Um, he's out there playing around, running around in sandals, and and uh, met Matt out there and and Mike yeah. and and met you all guys that day. And um, the rest is history, really, in terms of our our relationship and and our community. So um, it's pretty magical. So I had a really great day at Three Sisters. Ran a 50 to the air, six hours. And then from there, which was, you know, I've only been in, I've only been running for a couple of years now. So that was in May of 2022. I have since then did a sporadic amount of, of anywhere from, you know, probably primarily around that 50k mark. Not really pushing myself beyond that that limit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. September of 22, I ran a race out in Abington, Virginia, called Iron Mountain. Um, there's a 30 mile, 40 mile, 60, uh, 50 mile option, um, and it's 30 miles. It's about six to seven thousand feet of vert. So September of 22, I ran out there, and um, it really wrecked me. Um, but it kind of really drove me to come back and, and best it. So. Mm-hmm. 2023, a lot of my goals were so focused around Three Sister or focused around going back to Iron Mountain, a low frills course. I mean, the they don't do medals, they do breads. Like, you literally get a loaf of bread at the end of the race. Like, very, mm-hmm. very old school race. And I really love it, really love that area. Um, that was in September of Labor Day weekend of 2022. Well, you, um, you, said, it, you said it wrecked you. Well, how, did, uh, how did it wreck you? Uh, the vert. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the vert, it really, it really, I mean, every race to a certain extent wrecks me if, if you know, if I really give it, give it what I yeah. want to give it, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. G- give it my all. Um, but it, it, it really emptied me and it really kind of gave me this sense of, I want to come back and I want to experience this again. Um, so I had, I had a decent, I had a time of just to give reference to it, I had a time of 30 mile or 545. So, you know, really quite a bit of vert. And so. 2023 rolls through. Um, my goal for 2023 was to, this all ties into the story ultimately. So hang in there, you guys. Um, 2020, 2023 rolls through and I uh, decided to hire a coach. Um, this coach is no longer my coach. I am coached uh, by Mary Cates uh, with Unrunning. So this was before her and my experience working with her. Um, and you guys both know her very well. So uh, you know, um, she's great. She's wonderful. Um, but before my experience working with Mary, I was working with somebody else and, and leading up to, um, Iron Mountain, Iron Mountain was the goal race. You know, I was going out there to really kill Iron Mountain. And I had run, I had run, um, Don Loco, uh, Fort Frenzy. I don't know if 23, I ran Fort Frenzy. Yeah, I did. I did run Fort Frenzy. Um, I did a shorter version just preparing for it. Um, and got to Iron Mountain and, uh, honestly just had a really bad day. My legs were shot. My first climb, I couldn't, my legs wouldn't move over. 
um, just had a really rough day. It was, um, I remember it very, very vividly because it's a 30-mile course, and you have opportunities to drop at 9 and 16, um, 22, or 9, 16, um, 22, and like 27, right? So you have, you have two, you have two aid stations. So, so 9, 16, and 22, essentially, those three opportunities. It, going leading up to every aid station, I wanted to quit. Everyone. My legs weren't moving. I was way off pace for what I wanted to accomplish. Everything hurt, um, and I couldn't I couldn't move the way I knew I was training to move. I spent six months training for this race. I come in with all these goals, and um, it really uh, it was one of those things where I did not get the result that I wanted. Um, ended up getting uh, going in and getting about six to thirty minutes off, and that was the first race kind of in my journey where I have uh, that I didn't have continuous improvement over time, where I mm -hmm. go race it one year and come back the next year and do better. It was the first race that I had a setback, and um, you know, I was really proud of myself for sticking it out and finishing the damn thing. So I had a lot of opportunities to quit in that race, but uh, just didn't get the result that I wanted to. So so finished it Saturday. Um, and Sunday I was pissed off. I mean, I was mm. just angry, you know, I had wasted, I had spent a lot of time and energy, um, in this race and, uh, was upset with, with, uh, with my progress at that point. Um, so the previous year I had raced dirt circuit, um, and it was a dirty bird event back in 2022. Uh, and they had talked to me, they're a group that I volunteer quite a bit with over the last few years, volunteering with their races. Uh, I have, uh, I have, historically, I have typically volunteered with races before actually racing races to kind of figure out the community in terms mm -hmm. of where I want to invest my time and my energy. So, uh, great group. I'm mean, Dirty Bird Events. They do yeah. a lot of good stuff and really enjoy the, I still volunteer for them every year, uh, the races yeah. that they do locally here. So, um, but I knew that they wanted to give up Dirt Circuit. And so, uh, I wanted to run that last event and, uh, we were lucky that, David Compton showed up, and I was able to make that introduction because uh, then now it's East Coast race, and it's a great race. I really, really enjoyed it. But and I kind of came out there. It was a 12-hour race in 2022, and and I didn't have many goals, really, anything to accomplish. I just, you know, kind of went into it. We'll see what happens, and um, you know, got got a got 40 miles up. It was probably it was a PR at that point um, in September of 22, and. And just had, you know, uh, come off of a really good race at Iron Mountain just previously in 22. And so kind of felt like I'm pretty comfortable just having a good time. I got, you know, free race entry or whatever. So wasn't really too invested in it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I quit. About 40 miles in, I quit and just started having a good time. Um, somebody didn't ever let me forget that. Um, David was on me pretty hard <laughs> for that one because left a lot out there. So. Um, so fast forward after Iron Mountain in 23, um, really broken down. Uh, I just decided, you know what, screw it, screw it all, screw the short stuff. Let's really see, uh, let me see if I can empty this tank. Let me see what I can do. So um, I hadn't really experienced anything more than 40 miles at that point. Didn't know what it felt like to run more than 40 miles. So uh, on a whim, no training, had just fired my coach, decided to do Dirt Circuit 23. Uh, went out Dirt Circuit, you know, and um, didn't have any goals. You know, I made the mistake of telling a few people 
that my goal was to be out there at 24 hour mark. And, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately I preach accountability and they preach it right back to me. So needless to say, I was out there past the 24 hour mark. I finished what I started, you know, which was the goal, you know, and, um, you know, had some really great, great support, learned a lot from that race. Um, you know, uh, I can't say that I was disappointed in my result because I, I did exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to experience what it was like to be on my feet for 24 hours. Um, I was, I did 24 hours that did right under 93 miles, um, walked the majority of the back 30 of the course, had some great support, East coast, obviously great support, uh, Thomas Booker, who's just phenomenal. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good people in this community. Um, uh, Thomas Booker is, is one of the really, really good ones. You know, he mm -hmm. was so supportive. And, uh, if there is anybody that I want to have on the trail to experience that for the first time, that has the knowledge and has the wisdom and has the patience and the kindness to get you through a difficult time. It was a damn good choice and um, mm -hmm. forever grateful for him for really giving me that experience. Um, and so, um, you know, I began my journey. I don't think I would have, I would have ever have thought that I wanted to do a hundred miler this soon. You know, I have a four year old and a two year old uh, this year. Um, they're both 24 and two this year, so I should say. So I, my goals, my goals have always been to kind of wait and see until they get a little bit older before I really explore the longer distances because time commitment, training, and yeah. whatnot. But um, Dirt Circuit kind of opened me up um, to shit. I want to do this. Um, this is something I want to accomplish. And so everything that I've done kind of since that experience has kind of really pushed me into completing my, completing a hundred miler this year. Everything that's going on 2024, 2024 is buckle year, uh, for me. It's the only thing I have on my agenda. Mm -hmm. So, and I've done a couple races since then. Um, you know, I, uh, going into the winter a month, we did, uh, Barn Creek. Um, you guys put on Barn Creek, which was a great race. Um, and uh i thought i experienced an injury uh during that race and uh we'll talk a little bit long later on i guess a little bit about mike's like i'm sure we're going to have a conversation regarding running 100 miles and your relationship with pain uh i will certainly talk about that um but uh, that's a continual continual life lesson um uh, being comfortable with pain and uncomfort and realizing that that's part of the journey Absolutely. sorry long-winded there i told you it was going to be a little no, long-winded no, there no, that no, journey so I want to go all the way back to, and you were, so you were coming out of COVID, you were 350 pounds. Is that correct? Yeah, about, about yeah. That's when I started counting. Fix my cord here. Sorry. Um, so was that the heaviest you had been? Yeah. So, so, so your daughter ignited you in a way to get healthy. She woke me up. And you hadn't really run any before then? No. No, I think so you, the, just, the, you just no. like signed up for a 5k, you walk out on a treadmill and like, let's test this and you run a 5k. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about my why later in more detail, but the way I do things is all or nothing. Yeah. Um, and people ask me, well, why don't you just run casually? And, and the response is, well, if I'm not training for, a goal and I'm not working towards improvement and I'm not working towards bettering myself, I'm going to go right back to being 350 pounds again. There's no middle ground. It's all or it's nothing. And so, you know, I just jumped right in, man. You know, I, uh, I, in a lot of ways, I am really, really grateful that I did not find running 
at 350 pounds. I'm yeah. really grateful that I was I had the that I had the opportunity and the ability to lose the weight first before yeah. I started on the journey, just because of the damage and and I see it and people, you know, lose motivation and they stop and I just I'm really grateful that I was able to uh, find it in my journey when I did. Uh, it was just kind of serendipitous in that way. Well, you know, there's there's like two paths that we can all take, and that's you know that one day that we're, we're, we're talking about, we're going to do something or today, day one. And like, mm-hmm. you did that. You just, you jumped in and you're like, it's time. And you kind of found your passion, which, you know, I can say wholeheartedly that I'm kind of the same way as you are. When I started like road running, I was like, eh, you know, I've done several half marathons, but I didn't really find the true, passion of running until I got on a trail and then I got to run in a community of trail runners and I got to experience that and you just start meeting some amazing people and and nothing against like road runners there's some pretty amazing road runners but I didn't feel like it clicked with me until I was out on those trails running with those those guys you know yeah. and those girls and and from there you know that community's formed and and we're so thankful that we found you and like Melinda, you know, you were talking about Melinda and Thomas. Um, they've been with us, with us from the very start. Like Melinda's a lot of the reasons that we've got some of the distances and stuff that we have in our races. Cause she tries to make sure Gary runs and, uh, we put those distances in there for him. But, you know, I mean, we, we even helped crew her for her Boston marathon that one year of COVID they didn't do it. Um, and that, I think that's where we first like really got to hang out with you, Micah, was uh, when we did the seventeen seventy six virtual run there. Yeah, and first, uh, first one, first one for sure. Yeah, and that I mean that was that was cool and fun. So I mean, you just keep meeting amazing people, and there's not a better person in this world than Thomas Booker. Like, if I could be on a trail and be in a problem, or just want someone to talk to, like Thomas Booker is is the man like mm-hmm. he is the nicest person you'll ever meet on or off a trail you know he's just awesome but kudos to you like you've came a long way in a short amount of time and uh, i just remember me and matt when we were running i don't know if we ever told you this story or not but we were running and you know at one point me and matt were just like flying and we yeah. were like we're, we're gonna roll and uh we come around and we're getting close to 17 miles and we sat down and here comes Micah. Yep. And he's like right behind us and sits down and we're like, me and Matt looks at each other. And we're like, damn, he's pretty fast. Pretty fast for a big guy. Yeah. I was, yeah, like, I was, like, he's, I was like, he's fast. And then we got the story of, uh, when we came up, grabbed our stuff and went out. Uh, who was it? Who was up there? Is it Gary? Was Gary done? And he said, he came in here and, and Micah's like, are they already gone? <laughs> and yeah, and then he grabbed your stuff and you took off too. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't sit around and wait. You got your stuff and you know, sent it. Yeah, there's a little bit. Of, there's a, quite a bit of competitiveness in Micah. There is. So let's let's take a step back here. Your very first like <clears throat> long trail run. Would you consider that like? three sisters or would you consider that iron mountain like which one do you consider or would you consider it dirt sir so three sisters obviously was my first ultra mm-hmm. 
you know, it was a, it was a first ultra. I definitely had uh, my fair amount of, of struggles and demons in that race. At that point, Three Sisters of May of 22, I had the farthest I had run, uh, I think was 14 miles. I think it was Northern Boundary at that point. Um, so there was a lot of unknowns going into that race. Um, and so it was the old course, you know, it was a good three mile loop at that point. So that was a good course. I had a good time out there. I really enjoyed that race. It was unfortunate last year I wasn't able to attend. I had some, uh, some other stuff that came up, but always love three sisters. Always, always will continue oh, yeah. to support that race as much mm-hmm. as possible. Um, yeah. The, the thing about Iron Mountain is Iron Mountain has always been kind of the, in my very short period of time has always been kind of the race that I always feel that, um, I can go back to. And it's something about, you know, being up there. You guys have rushed, raced up on that creeper trail. I don't know if you guys have gotten up in those mountains, but mm-hmm. about the creeper trail, it's, it's creeper trail. The whole area is all like on steroids. You run up on the AT, you run part of the AT course. And it's just, it's another animal up there. Just lots of climbing. Um, you know, you start, the thing about it is you start so fast. You start that Iron Mountain, you start the first four miles are all flat creeper trail. And so you have a tendency to go out way too fast and then you just climb. And from, from mile four to mile seven, you gain about 3,500 feet of vert. No. Just, you know, so you're, you're booking seven minute miles, you hit that and then you're just, you're climbing. And if you don't have climbing legs, you're done. And if your legs aren't turning over like they should be, um, uh, and I had I had made some mistakes. I had obviously made some mistakes leading to that race. Lord willing, I'll be back there this year. I'm going to knock that thing down again. I'm just going to keep going until I feel like I can accomplish it. It's just a good race. I love those old school style races. You know, literally fresh fresh baked goods at the finish line. Um, but uh, you know, so I, yeah, I would say you know definitely I would say three sisters was definitely my first ultra. What do you think you learned the most from that race? Iron Mountain. Three sisters. I give me your your first one. What do you think you learned the most from it? I don't think I really learned anything or more than it just kind of really wet my whistle to be like, Oh shit. I like this. (laughs) I like, I like, I like, I like feeling like I did something, you know, like it was hard. I wanted to quit, but I didn't, you know, there's, I don't believe there's anybody, whether you're racing the 5k or you're racing a hundred mile or you're racing the two, there's not a single person that starts a run that doesn't at some point in the run says, you know, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I I won't quit. And it's that the longer you're out there, the more opportunities you have to quit (laughs) and the more times you have to deal with that challenge. Um, and, uh, so that's what, you know, as, so there's something special about a 50k. And there's something special with 50 mile and there's something special with 100 mile. They're all so unique and different. And every race based on the structure of it is so unique and different with different challenges. You can never, you cannot be an ultra runner in in this environment today and not find something that will challenge you and motivate you and, and throw a wrench in your plans, regardless of the distance. So I'm not one that says that, you know, a uh, hundred milers, what you got to do in order to be successful in the sport. I don't believe that. I think you can be just as successful in the sport running 50 Ks and only running 50 Ks. I think you can, you can, you know, honestly, you can, there's, there are plenty of prof- athletes and even professional athletes where all they run is the 10 K and they'll, they'll spend their entire career perfecting the 10 K and they'll, they'll be fully sponsored athletes. And all that they do is run the 10 K every time. You know, and there, you can always be improving on yourself, regardless of the distance that you choose. Um, but every distance holds its own mystery and holds its own experience. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah. I don't know if that really answered your question or not. It did, but now we're gonna, now we're going to jump it up a little bit. So we we go we come all the way forward to the second dirt circuit, which you did the twenty four hours, and like you said, you told you told several people that your goal was to be on your feet, moving at hour twenty four. You know, like keep to to see what you had, and you did that. And you finished with almost 93 miles, you know, 92 and some change. So super close to that 100-mile mark, but not too far My watch off. says something different, but we're not going to talk about that right now. You can't help all the trips you made. <laughs> well, hey, if, he, if you made a trip to those bathrooms at that rate, you probably got it. <laughs> but you finished, you finished third overall. Um, you know, so that was the race that, you know, there for a while, you and Casey were, you all were kind of going back and forth and you were, you know, you were right there in the race and you were in the race the whole time, but there at the night, you kind of slowed down, mm -hmm. you had foot problems. And, and my question is, is like, at what point did you realize like, oh shit, <laughs> like this is getting really hard. Cause I could, I could see on your face that you you had not kind of experienced this level yet and uh, no, you were kind of like yeah and you and you were working through foot problems and other things but you kept moving but mm -hmm. like what was going through your mind like how are you trying to deal with that yeah so there's multiple things to that one is i put myself in a position to have the support i needed to really uh, experience something new in a really supportive environment. Um, I was lucky enough to have somebody like Thomas out there with me for the night night time uh, to really, you know, learn some lessons. Learn so that of all the races I've done, Dirt Circle will always have a special place because of the lessons I learned and the mistakes that I made. You know, I, we've, you guys have talked about it multiple times since Dirt Circuit and with multiple of your guests about the uh the difference between running a walkie and you know um if you run in a lot of ways it's a lot easier mm -hmm. and um i i think that there's so much to be said for the power of what you tell yourself i remember dirt circuit i kept telling myself the whole day get to the night 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 if i can get to the night and i can get with thomas then we can just walk this thing out. And that was my biggest mistake is I allowed myself to go into that place. Uh, mm. I can just walk this thing out. Yeah. Because then it gave myself permission to walk it out. And, um, and also at that time I had not experienced ex this experience, this sport, this, these adventures, they, in they will always, they will always have a level of pain and discomfort to them. Always. Yes. Uh, whether you're the front of the pack or the back of the pack, middle of the pack, does not matter. You will be in pain. You will be in discomfort. And your relationship to your pain is the most critical thing that you have to learn from continually. And you have to have a positive relationship with your pain. Because if you don't, if you, if you fight with your pain, and you allow your pain to control what you do, then you will allow yourself to do things like walk it out. And um, 
and I'm not talking about injury. I'm talking about just pain, muscle pain, um, blisters, whatever it may be. You know, um, there's always there's a million excuses of not of of just stopping and or walking it out or or whatnot. So um, there's a, there's just so many lessons through Dirt Circuit that I've learned that I've had to kind of wrestle with. And it's not a, it's not a okay. I did Dirt Circuit, so I learned now I just have to suck up pain like. You know, I had experience with Gone Loco where I was in my I was in my head about, you know, I really didn't want to race at Gone Loco. I'm super competitive. So I got out there and I didn't want to run fast. And I was pissed off because I didn't want to be there. You know, and you just have to kind of like, you know, and I, I had a bunch of discomfort, you know. And, and I, luckily I uh, had a really good conversation while I was running with Dusty. And Dusty was talking about and a, a trick or two to, to get his time down. And I just was kind of real honest with him. I said, you know, I think the issue is in our head. I think we have to get our head right and be honest with ourselves. And if we can get our head right and get our minds where we need them to be, where it needs to be, and stop making damn excuses and just do what we need to do, it, our time's going to improve regardless, right? I don't, need a, I don't need to put in a trick here and a trick there. I just need to really, you know, Get my brain right. Get my head straight. What am I trying to do? And I, you know, I did, I started um, gone loco. So the first seven miles in, I was I was already having just pain in my head, you know. And I was already I was sick and tired of running in pain. It was just like you know what, I just suck it up and just got to do it. And so I just did it and didn't complain about it and didn't mention it again. I just did it. And um, and so that that you know that was a learning experience for me, and you know and you and me have had a conversation since then where, you know, you're asking me about what I was thinking about going into Mahana Mile, and that's that's the biggest thing for me is just really coming to grips with the reality of that I'm just going to be in pain. And the the beauty of a hundred miler is that you're going to have up and down up and downs the entire time, and it's like, you know, I was, uh, I was talking to uh, Mary today, and it's like you're like literally living a lifetime in 24 hours, just Get knocked down, get back up again. Get knocked down, get back up again. Keep moving forward, keep progressing, keep, you know, problem solving, keep moving. Um, it's a magical thing, you know. You might, it might suck to run a 5K, but it sucks for 20 minutes. You might be out there for 24 hours of suck. So it's, uh, it's a journey for sure. It's a journey. Well, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of truth to what you tell yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I hope that that's a lesson that, you know, everybody gets to experience at some point because you don't really get to experience that if you stop. You don't really feel that satisfaction the next day or the next week until you've gone through that, you know, and, and that's the thing that I think just really changes you to, you know, it it's one of those where it brings you to another level of a pain threshold and not even a pain threshold, but also mentally knowing that you can handle more. Mm -hmm. And man, that is like just so rewarding that in itself, like it, it doesn't matter if it's a three hour race or a 24 hour race. If the longest you've ever ran is three hours and you go out and do a six, 12 or 24 hour race and you can't, feel like you can't finish and you're telling yourself to quit and you hang in there and you fight through this and you walk or you do whatever to finish. Sometimes just moving forward and doing that 
is the most important thing because you break that mental barrier that you told yourself. And every time you do that, you increase that level. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like when Micah goes to do this hundred miler, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Like I've already heard him say walking, you know, I, I told myself I, if I could get here, I could walk. And, you know, a lot of us do that. We're just like, if we're in pain and we're suffering and, you know, like our day did not go as planned. I mean, shit, that happens 90% of the races, guys. Yeah. Like I, I walk in with big goals to every race and about three, you know, sometimes three miles in, sometimes three hours in things change. And sometimes you just have to accept the day, but also don't settle because three hours from now, you're going to feel completely different than you do right now. And that's the thing is like, you, you were telling yourself that all day. So it became your goal. Yeah. Survive the night, survive the night. And then you, then you did exactly what you did and you finished and you went 90 plus miles and that's huge. But you had more in the tank. You definitely had more in the tank. But you didn't know that. Yeah, I'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, I'll be the I'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, going into it, my concern was not being there at 24. I would, my concern was not being able to know, not knowing that I could I could run for 24 hours because I hadn't even I hadn't even come close to that. I mean, mm -hmm. prior to that, the longest I had run was probably seven or eight hours at dirt circuit the previous year. You know, I had zero, I had zero hundred mile training, training coming into to dirt circuit 23, you know? And so I didn't allow myself the what if question, right? Like what if, so it was just for me, it was just, I'm here to literally survive, um, get through the night without falling asleep kind of a thing. Um, so I didn't allow myself to really think about, you know, uh, now I know it's now I know now I know that I'm at least capable of surviving the night. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, going into the going into the next one, you know, I have I have, you know, I've kind of accomplished that. You know, I've kind of leveled up in that way. So now, you know, um, I've got I've I've got bigger goals. I've got bigger things I want to accomplish. You know, and and uh, a lot goes into picking your first hundred miler. A lot goes into your planning for that and your training for that and gear and all that. We're going to talk about all that at some point tonight, but, um, you know, but it's kind of really unlocked, you know, and, and, um, you know, obviously I, I don't want to pull a mat and start running seven minute miles for the first, you know, 20 miles or nothing crazy, you know, but, uh, uh, definitely, uh, want to be reasonable in terms of my ability, but, uh, I'm a hundred percent confident in my ability to go out there, um, and, and, you know, continue to run and, and keep moving forward regardless of the pain that I'm in. Um, but you know, with all that being said, you know, I am fully aware that regardless of my training, uh, regardless of my effort, uh, regardless of the work that I put in, I'm not, owed, I'm not owed that belt buckle. I've got to earn that damn thing. I've got to put one step in front of the other and I've got to show, um, that I earn it. You know, I've got to show that I, that I, I got to earn it, you know, and I've got mm -hmm. to work for it. And a multitude of things can go wrong and a multitude of things will go wrong. And I have to continue to work through those things and continue to push myself. Um, and 
I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to. I don't want to go into this race, you know, thinking I got in the bag. I think you guys have mentioned it before, and I think it's really profound. You know, even somebody like Rob Apple, who's completed close to eighteen eight hundred ultra marathons or more at this point, yeah, yeah. he's getting close to it. Every race, you ask him, well, "What number is this going to be, Rob?" And he'll tell you, "If I finish, right? If I finish." And you can't take it for granted. You can never take it for granted, and you can never take. Um, you never know what's going to happen, and you never know. The challenges you're going to face, um, and you definitely don't want to put yourself. But you begin, you can, you can be prepared, and you can definitely be confident, um, and know that you've got the tools in your bag to be able to be accomplished, and have a good team around you, and good setup, and and all those things that go into that. Um, but never, you know, nothing's ever, nothing's ever guaranteed, and yeah. you've still got to put the damn work in. Yeah, you do. Yeah, me, day. me and Chris Damon. So we'll we'll text to couple times a week and one of the things that we always say like because you know we're we're talking about each other's goals and stuff and and you you don't realize that you say this until you see each other topping it back and forth but it's it's 100 true and it's like we'll see how you know i've got big goals but we'll see how the day goes yeah and how my body responds yeah and from there i'll figure it out it's it's okay to have a huge goal you know if you have one if you want to push yourself but you also have to have the mentality to understand that some days shit just goes wrong. And what are you going to do yeah. to respond to it? Yeah. And giving up is the absolute wrong answer or compromising with yourself is the wrong answer. Work through it. It's only going to make you better. And mm-hmm. the next day when you wake up, you're going to just be so proud of yourself and what you've accomplished. Michael, what, what hundred miler are you doing? So I am signed up for Camp Croft in Spartanburg, South Carolina. It's and that the is the weekend of my birthday. Look at that. Mark. So that what is, is, you know, it what is, what? it is put on by Mountaineer, uh, Mountaineer Rumble. It's a group out of South Carolina. Uh, I think it's the inaugural race. I'm not sure on that. I think it is. Um, it's a 10 mile loop course. It's a 10 mile course in um, Croft State Park. Okay. Um, so it's 10, 10 mile loops. And when selecting, you know, when really deciding to do, to do a hundred mile early in the spring, I wanted to do one early because I wanted to get it over with. I wanted to get it done. I, you know, that's the goal for 2024. I wanted to try to get one in as early as I could. And there was a couple earlier options. Um, earlier options involved a lot of pavement and, uh, that in, in essence, it wasn't an option for me. Um, yeah. Uh, there was an option of pistol. I'm not going to do that one. There's an option of a couple of 24-hour races. There's an option of a of a race out in West Virginia. Um, Conquer the Wall, I think is the name of that one. That's a 24 and 48 hour. Um, it's all pavement. And I just and I just uh, I know myself enough at this point. It's, it doesn't work out well for me running a, running a race on pavement of any kind. Um, and I just don't feel myself running out of pavement. I just I come alive in the woods. I just really do, you know. Um, it's really my happy place. So um, I like to be out there as much as possible. So, um, mm-hmm. but I wanted, you know, I wanted a race that ha- was kind of the loop mentality, the kind of loop in terms of support, in terms of in terms of um, crewing and that support in that regard. But also didn't want a race that was short, you know, short loops, two miles, three miles, uh, mentally. You know the the opportunity to phone it in 
also just you know the flow of the running you know I have to slow down and re-gear every three miles just can never really catch a flow with that way with the 10 mile loop you have more of that opportunity to just kind of catch the flow you know if you no. feel bad on mile three you just got to push through because you got seven more to go if you feel mad on a three mile loop you know, and you're mile one, you feel bad. Well, you just got two miles and then you just walk it in, right? Kind of that mentality. So yeah. one is something that was going to be kind of a step up from a dirt circuit kind of a course, a shorter course, or, um, you know, anything on the on a locomotion or something like that. That's a pavement one mile, two mile course. So one is something yeah. that was going to be a little more extended, but also one is something that was closer to home. Um, you know, it's, it's three hours to Spartanburg, so it's not too far away. No. It's like us going to Nashville. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. Yeah, it looks like you'll end up with about 7,000 feet elevation gain, so that's not bad yep. either. Not bad at all. <laughs> so tell me, uh, what's so what uh, what's your strategy as far as nutrition, hydration? Like, what are you taking? What are you going to what's, – what's your plan here? So um, we're still working that out. I think that's a constant work in progress. Um. <laughs> I think it. I think the planning of it really started at Dirt Circuit uh, because I um, realized that the amount of gear needed for a 24-hour effort is significantly more than that of a six-hour effort. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and those were good lessons learned during that event. I mean, you've got temper. You not only temperature changes from day to night, but your body doesn't 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 regulate its core temperature well. 24 hours into a race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it might be 60 degrees out, but your body doesn't recognize that. They just, it's cold, right? So yeah. I remember Dirt Circuit, I finished that race in a damn hoodie because it was so, for me, it was so cold because my body stopped regulating my body. It was, it was pretty cold that morning, though. Yeah, it was. And it, and it was damn 90 in the race day or 80 or whatever. <laughs> it was it was brutal. I wanted to jump in the dang water. Um you know, so, you know, it was really, there's quite a bit of fluctuation with an event like that. So significantly more gear, um, you know, uh, shoes are a big thing. You know, I came, went to um, Barn Creek and ended up, you know, having shoes but not having the right kind of shoes. So ended up running in the wrong kind of shoes and ended up needing more shoes and didn't have them. So I'm showing up to Camp Croft with six pairs of shoes, three trail and three road. You know, road shoes are going to have about 10 miles on them. They're going to be fresh and ready to roll. Um, you know, uh, the appropriate gear for, you know, your crew in terms of cooking food, uh, the expense of that, uh, the expense of hydration, you know, having multiple mm-hmm. levels of hydration from tra- tailwind to uh, hoist, you know, to, um, whole, to hard food, real food, you know, quesadillas, you know, all of that that goes into that. Um, Mary's been really good about kind of through this process, you know, testing it out, uh, Whole Foods in terms of Gone Loco, you know, eating at Gone Loco, kind of what happens if you don't eat, you know, last loop at Gone Loco I didn't eat and it significantly impacted my energy levels. You know, you wouldn't think over an hour that you really need to, you know, at, turn, at the turnaround on the last loop at Gone Loco, I didn't take it, didn't take a gel and I probably should have taken two, you know, so I thought I've got 30 minutes left. And I'll be back. It'll be fine. And then I just died halfway back, you know. Um, so being really, you know, with, you know, on it in terms of that, you know, how to go buy a bunch of more gear, how to buy a bunch of socks, how to buy a bunch of, you know, water bottles for the vest that I want to wear because I want to wear a specific vest. And, 
you know, had to go buy, you know, shocks for my music and, you know, the challenges. Mm-hmm. And just, it, it's a never-ending list of supplies that you need for a, a bigger challenge. So, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's a laundry list of things. But, you know, being really prepared, I ended up going and buying two extra headlamps because, you know, I was at a dirt circuit. I ran out of light, you know, like four hours in the night, my ding battery died on my headlamp, right? Like, I didn't think. I didn't, I didn't think I needed to, right? I never, yeah. I never had experienced it. So if you don't make those mistakes, you don't learn from those things, regardless of what people tell you. So you just kind of have to, to bring the whole whole shebang. So, um, you know, lots of gear, lots of equipment, kind of ready, getting ready for that. Uh, I just want to be prepared. I don't want, you know, the fact that I don't have a sweatshirt to be the result of me being adding more discomfort near the end of the race and my body not being able to regulate its temperature. Um, uh, because if my if my body truly, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, my mind, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna push it, I'm gonna push it. But if I uh, can't regulate my own body temperature, I got to be prepared for that. And it's only my mistake if I don't. So- you know, you're talking about the body regulation of the temperature, like at mid state. I mean, that race is in June, and during the day it's in the 90s. But at nighttime, when you get your at the 12 hour, you get a 20 minute break, and it instantly, you know, the sun's still up, but the temperature drops. And you're freezing. So, you know, if you're, you're right, if you don't have like, you know, a blanket, a hoodie, something like that, you know, that can change, you know, how you're, you're racing, how you're running, how you can eat because, you know, you get too cold, you get too hot, you can't eat. So having that extra stuff with you does help. And then, you know, it can change your race. It can, you know, kill your race or save your race. I take, I take hot hands with me and gloves to every race. Yeah. That's my two things is like, I have to, I cannot stand my hands getting cold. And that's usually the first thing to get cold on me like that. So it's, you know, and you've, y'all have seen my box. Mm-hmm. I take that box to every race, Micah, that little box that I have with chews and goos and salt and headlamps and band-aids and Tylenol, ibuprofen. It's all in there. Yep. And I take that to every race, whether it's a half marathon yeah. or yep. a 24 hour race or, you know, if I, I could have strapped it on my back at ball state i would have took it but you know it's actually went and bought me a bigger one the, big, but, the bigger toolbox that i got <laughs> but, big, but you can't take enough you know and that's the no, thing is no. like you don't want to give yourself and i think you're going about it the right way some people you know and there's some races like i don't overthink like that year that we rolled up for dirt circuit i rolled up popped my trunk and you know had goose and water and that was it you know and like but i was only gonna be there for 12 hours wasn't concerned there's a lot that happens after 12 hours (laughs) right like when not happens and you ran for that long you're right your body doesn't regulate as well and you're usually moving a little slower and you're not generating as much body heat and chafing and all kinds of other things Mm -hmm. happen at night you know because you're not drying out there you know it's and that's the thing is like if you've never done that it's a whole new experience yep and you've done it once and now you're getting ready to do it again. And this time you have a bigger ambition, a bigger goal. So the goal is to not give yourself an out. Yeah. And I think you're going about it the right way because you don't want anything in your head at three o'clock in the morning when you say I'm cold and all you got the t-shirt. Yep. 
And I think, I think another key component of this, I think your greatest piece of equipment or your greatest resource during an event like this, especially your first one, not, not everybody's the same, but for me, I am really lucky that I have got a really good crew that's going to be there for Kentcroft. Um, mm-hmm. After Barn Creek, Brandon Johnson, he's on the East Coast Adventures race team. I didn't run with Brandon a whole lot you know, early on, but since Barn Creek, we've spared a lot of miles during Barn Creek and really kind of connected on that race. And um, he he committed to running Kent Croft with me um, and with the goal of getting me that buckle, of helping me through that journey. So he's racing it, um, but we're going to run it together. And so since then, we've, you know, I would say 60% of my miles has been running with Brandon, you know, and sharing that journey and that experience with him um, and, you know, having these conversations of, of, hey, listen, just so you know, um, and I've told, you know, we've had multiple, I've had multiple conversations with him and my other crew member, Marsha, um, about, uh, at the end of the day, I, I emailed them last week. I said, at the end of the day, I'm just telling you right now, um, I'm not going to, you're going to have to get an ambulance to pull me off that damn course. Like, you know, you don't make decisions when you're not able to make decisions. You make decisions and you set parameters for your health and for everything that you want to decide beforehand because you don't you can't trust yourself you know 70 miles into an effort whether you want to whether you want to quit or not that's that's the decision that needs to be made beforehand and that yeah. needs to be made with the crew and they need to understand the parameters with which that happens if i got if i if i can you know and so like literally you have to really set those parameters and it's important too because you can't you know you can't trust a, a runner to make a honest decision that they're going to live with long they're going to be able to live with when they're in the midst of doing that journey you have to make that decision beforehand and you have to really set those parameters up with your crew so crewing is really critical because there's a lot of trust and responsibility that goes into it for them and and they've got to understand those parameters so having a good crew and having that those conversations is really important um because you can make or break you can make or break a race um based on you know um you know brandon will you know you know, everybody has those experiences where they're like, dang it, I wish I could have done it differently. I wish I hadn't, you know, dang, David ran, ran himself into Rabdo, you know, and, uh, you know, it hit your situation was a little different because you didn't have any symptoms. You know, what would happen, to, you know, if, you know, what would happen if you had symptoms and you were like, ah, oh, screw it, I'm fine, I'm just going to keep going, right? So you got to really have those decisions because there, you know, at a certain point, there are health implications to continuing on some of these journeys but uh you've got to set those parameters beforehand like if i'm complaining about my feet just tell me to suck it up (laughs) just push me back out there you know if i'm throwing up just keep me going right like you gotta have those conversations slap yourself in the feet until you stop throwing up that's the thing that your crew has to do for you and you know and and brandon and marcia are both going to be great because they're runners and they're going to understand this and like sometimes having a crew member that's not a runner if they've not crewed a lot of people they they make this mistake and it's it's like i don't i feel bad i can't keep nothing down i don't want to do this race no more oh you i mean you can quit whenever you're ready they're ready to that shut you down is just fuel for the fire for someone yep. that's you know like and and with you having you know brandon's great and brandon's a great runner marcia's great she's a great runner um i think having them and marcia is is a great crew person i watched her at barn creek crew multiple people and 
she's going to be like right on your, you know, right on top of you saying, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this. She's going to be trying to get you back out there. And that's what you need. You don't need anybody fueling the other Micah. Yes. You know, you you have two sides here. And whichever kids are staying at home. (laughs) Well, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of how it is, is, is like when you're running, you, you have these two feelings that are going on. And one is like, at some moments you feel like you're, you're crushing it yeah. and you're going to conquer the world and things are clicking. And then two hours later, what am I doing? Why do I do this? I hate this. I hate this feeling. I don't feel good. My feet are hurting. And then two hours later, you're back to this, but here's the thing, whichever one you feed yeah, is usually going to be the outcome. And if you start, telling yourself over here that yeah i'm hurting i can i can walk from here oh i just got to keep moving but if i sit down for a couple of hours i'll be okay oh well you know it's close enough to the end at this point that doesn't work you you can't make compromises you need someone to say suck it up like you're okay take two time on get your ass back out there you know like that's what you, you know tough love and You've got runners that are going to help you do that. Mm-hmm. They, they're not going to like put you in harm's way, but they're also going to push you to be your best. Yeah. And that is what you need. You don't want someone that's going to push you into an injury. You just want someone that's going to not listen to you when you're whiny and your ice cream's too cold <laughs> and your, you know, water's not going to taste good and whatever. It's short lived. As soon as you can get that under control, you're going to be back to normal and you're feeding this guy again. And you're like, okay, things are coming back. I've got this. I've got this. And that's what you've got to continue to tell yourself is I'll I'll tell you like my biggest mantra. And I don't even know if I've ever told Matt this, but like my biggest mantra in a race. And it's, it's you've, you've kind of heard me say this in these podcasts, but then that's why I say it so much because it's my mantra and it's like, you're going to forget all this shit in the morning. This is what I tell myself in a race at three o'clock in the morning when I'm just trying to get done and like things may or may not, even when they're going good, I still tell myself this because if I catch myself walking, this is what I say. You're going to forget all this shit in the morning. You're going to forget all the pain you're in. You're going to feel, you're going to forget all the sad, you know, like whiny stuff that you're going through. You're going to forget that. Yeah. Your stomach's hurting because when you're finished, The only thing that you're going to remember is that you did it. Yeah. And if you don't do it, the only thing you're going to think about is why did I quit? And that's what I tell myself in every race when I get in my head and I'm like, oh, you're not going to finish, David. Or, oh, you suck. Or, you know, why you're everything's hurting. You're not. Mm -hmm. No. Remember what you're here to do. Mm -hmm. Why you're here. And remember that most of these feelings that you're feeling right now. You will not remember tomorrow. And that's the thing that you really have to remember. Because think back to Dirt Circuit, Micah. Do you truly remember how bad it was? Exactly. 90% of it is truly in your head. Now, granted, there's a lot of hurt going on. There's a lot of things that hurt in a 100-mile race, 50-mile race. It's all about relative effort. However hard you run, plan on it being hard. Yeah. You know? A hundred mile race, even if you walk it, it's going to hurt. But a lot of that hurt is exemplified by the fact that you're whiny, you're tired, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you can't keep food down. 
And, and it's, in those, it's in those situations that you've really got to be mindful of what you tell yourself. What are you telling yourself in those moments? Because those moments are going to be the, is, is going to be the determination of your of your race in a lot of ways. Are you telling your Are you giving yourself permission to whine, complain, bitch, and moan? Or are you Are you push Are you telling yourself to suck it up and get going? I mean, it really is. I mean, it comes down to it. you got you can't make excuses for yourself. You just have to. It's a mental It's a mental practice of of really pushing yourself and staying engaged in what you're trying to accomplish. You know, and at at the end of the day, no one cares whether you finish. Nope. They don't care. A lot of people want a lot of people that are watching you want you to fail. Well, and I mean like if if I tell someone I ran a hundred miles, they don't care. They're like, Okay. And then the next week if I tell them like I did a hundred mile race but I only ran eighty of it, that's pretty awesome too. I mean they don't they don't care. Nope. They do not care. But to well, you, since when have you ever started running for somebody else? Right. But for you, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was getting at is like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Yep. Even if your crew says like, and here's the thing, like, even if your crew says, well, maybe you should just sit down, Micah, and take it easy. If you're not hurting, why? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's the thing is like, even your crew has to be there to push you because at the end of the day, it's all you, you know, the, the, the decisions to move forward is on you. I mean, your crew can get you out, but what you do for those next 10 miles, that's up to you. That is your choice. And that is a conversation me and Mike Taylor and Matt had at the stinger. And I didn't really have it with Matt. I had it with Mike. And that was at three o'clock in the morning. Mike was about to fall off track of getting a hundred miles. And he was in there sitting in the tent with his head between his legs, literally. And, uh, and I just looked at him and I said, I've done all I can do. All I can do. The rest is on you. If you want the hundred miles, it's up to you at this point. There's literally nothing else I can do for you. And he looked at me and he stood up and he started running. And at the end of the day, like that morning, he looked at me and he said, you were right. He's like, it pissed me off when you told me that. He's like, but you were right. And he got his hundred miles. And you've got to remember to tell yourself that, Micah. At the end of the day, your crew can get you out on that 10 mile loop. Yeah. But when you're five miles in and walking, when you should be running, I mean, granted, you're not going to run the whole hundred miles, but you sure don't want to walk the whole last 50 miles either, you know, and that's where you got to figure out, like, what are you going to tell yourself when it gets hard? That wasn't a rhetorical question, obviously. No. Um, What are you going to tell yourself when it gets hard? Like, What are you going to, how are you going to push through this? Yeah, I think that's really, you know, really ties into the why. Why do we do it? Well, let's hear it. I mean, you know, we're going to ask you that question anyways. So why? Why do you run? What's going to keep you going? I think honestly, completely, I feel that if I am not pushing myself towards a goal that is what I believe beyond my ability, you know, when I first started training for 100 miles, you know, I knew figuratively that I could do 100 miles, but in the big scheme of things, it wasn't it wasn't within my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I fully believe that if I'm not pushing myself towards a goal such as that, I'm going to go right back to being a 350-pound guy that 
I never want to see again. Yeah. I never want my kids to see him again. I never want my wife to see him again. I don't want to be that person anymore. And that guy took the easy way out. That guy made poor decisions on his health and on his diet and on his decisions. And, and I don't want to be that guy. Um, so when it comes down to it, you know, it's the same thing we have to ask ourselves every day when you wake up and you're like, I don't really want to run today. Yeah. And you have to talk yourself into it every day because it's not, sometimes it's not about motivation. Sometimes it's not about feeling motivated to accomplish something. Sometimes it's, we do it because we just do it because we have to. Yeah. And why do we have to? Because we decided that we have to, because we decided that's important to us. And it's, it, 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 we decided that it's important to demonstrate for our kids that we can do hard things. Yeah. And if I'm not giving my all, you know, if I'm not, if I'm taking time and energy away from my family and I am dedicating significant amount of energy and time into something such as this, and I let myself be defeated by something that is, I let myself off the hook. What am I teaching my kids? That it's okay. It's 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 okay to give up when it's hard. Like I don't I don't want to I don't want to ever demonstrate that for my children. Mm -hmm. And um, so I know that it's not a given. I know that the results aren't guaranteed. I know I'm going to have to earn it. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. I'm not going to allow myself to be in a place where I say, you know what, I'm going to quit. You know, I mean, you're going to, they're going to literally have to pull me off the course in the ambulance. It's not going to happen. If I can move under my own power, I'm going to be moving under my own power. And yeah. it might hurt and it might suck, but hey, guess what? If you run, you'll get there faster. I heard that a time or two. <laughs> Nobody cares. Run faster. That's right. No, I, I, I love your answer. Um, and there, you know, you said a lot in there, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's you have changed your life drastically and those actions that you have made have led you to where you're at now with with this community and you know i think it's opened up doors for you for meeting people and mm -hmm. you know being in these coast adventures and just learning a whole new thing about yourself that you didn't realize as far as like what you're capable of and to be able to go and explore that and give that lesson to your kids so that they see what you're doing and that, yeah, life is hard, but we can push through that and we can do these things. And you're setting an example that will last a lifetime for them. And I love that. Love that, man. Great answer. Do you, do you have fears of going back to that 350 pounds? Cause you say every that day. every day, you know, I've even heard him say, you know, make, make little gestures at it at races um about things like that and and you say it but then you still go out there and, and you know you do the whatever you have to do um so I, I can see that where it's in your mind where you're always thinking about it it's like it's an addiction you know um it's kind of a, it's kind of a catch-22 this is something that we talk about a little bit in our sport, but we don't really talk about it on the ultra side of things just because it's not as big a prevalent of an issue but, you know, an addict, an uh, alcoholic, for example, that is, that is their identity. Mm -hmm. And 
they are, if they are in recovery, then they're always in recovery. You know, they're always, they're always in that state of, of recovery. Um, and that's how I feel about, um, you know, um, being, being a heavier, heavier person. I mean, I was obese. I was obese, guys. I was 350 pounds. Um, there's always that, that fear, that addiction, that unhealthy relationship to food, um, that, is always there and there's this issue right now there's this constant struggle between the addiction side of reality of i'm always in my own head i'm always i'm always fat i'm always obese i'm always struggling with my relationship with food and the overconsumption of it and whatnot there's always mm-hmm. that struggle at the same time there's also this huge push to love yourself, to have a healthy relationship with your body, to, you know, be po- body positive, right? So mm. it's, it's, in a way, it's, it's, in my mind, it's an addiction, but at the same time, you're getting pushed. So you're, you're constantly in this, in this kind of this challenging place of, of where do I need to be? Because, it's, you know, I'm being told that it's not healthy to be in this place of it's an addiction, it's an addiction. It's an addiction, and identify as that because that'll change your worldview of how you view yourself. But at the same time, I, you know, then you're also struggling with you don't want to minimize it because you don't. Then you then you give yourself grace to, to you know, it's like the alcohol. Give himself grace to have a drink. What do you think is going to happen, right? Yeah. Like, and so you're, you know, um, yeah. I mean, obesity is is a, is a, is the one thing. It's it's also the it's also the mental and identifying factors that come with that after the weight's gone, you know, and that's why I point to the journey and I point to the experience so much because there's never ever a destination, right? Like there's never ever a destination yeah. in, in in weight loss, in in bettering yourself and the health component of it. You're always in recovery, and I have to I I view myself as always being in recovery. And I believe 100% fully that if I'm not actively pursuing these goals and improving in this area, because I find so much joy in it, it motivates me. I can I can find um, so much joy and power in it that I am going to revert back to that place. And that's not good mental for my mental health. That's not good for my physical health. That's not good for my family. And so it, in my world, it's all or nothing. And there's no living a healthy lifestyle. You know, running 20 miles a week doesn't exist. You know, um, I'm just going to go right back to where I was before. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a long that's a long winded thing of saying it's it's a real struggle because you you do kind of fight these two worlds of body positivity and then the the obesity factor and and the addiction component. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk in our in our in our in, in our sport about body positivity. Um, there's not much talk about, you know, um, you know, there's, you're probably going to edit all this out, but there's not much, there's not much talk. There's not much talk about the struggle of, um, of obesity, accomplishing that. And then also the journey that happens after that, you know, that's what was so special about, uh, let me get emotional about gone loco, that young lady that, that fitted past the finish line at gone loco and said, 
you know, I was 350 pounds and then I just completed 30. That's a really meaningful thing to me. And um, I find so much, I find so much joy in, in seeing people experience those things and accomplish those things because I've been there. I know what that feels like. Um, and I know what we that know feels I'm, like after every race because I'm living it. I'm still living it. Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing like, with her, she, she kind of did the same thing you did from what I can, what I understood a little bit. I talked to her, you know, like that was her first, like she couldn't believe she finished this race. She was 330 pounds, you know, and lost all that weight and finished this race. And I mean, when she crossed the finish line, she just lost it. Yeah, you know, she, did. she was so proud of herself and mm -hmm. so happy. Um, but you're right, Michael, that's something that I've never, never thought about after the fact is that you still have that fear and you're still fighting that. And I mean, let's, let's be real. We're all, <laughs> we're all addicted to something like that's the thing is like the, most of the time ultra runners that have became addicted to ultra runners, they've come from some type of addiction or some type of that's thing. Very true, I, think, yeah. I don't, I, I disagree. I disagree. I think that that I think that you can have I think addiction in and of itself is unless you are an addict there's this impulse control that is it's so irrational. It's like mental health. Unless unless you you have to and even with mental health and addiction is a mental health issue, right? It's a, it's a mental mm -hmm. health defect. So yeah. it kind of correlates in the same way, but it's not rational. Like running and the joy and the value we get from running as runners, we can rationalize the value that that has in our lives. Addiction is an issue that people, they can't rationalize it. There's no way of truly understanding the, the component of addiction because people will destroy their lives to their own detriment through their addiction. They don't have control over their addiction. It's, it's, it's all, all consuming, right? Um, and so unless you are kind of in that place you can't it's hard to speak on that because if you're healthy you can't understand the unhealthiness that results in an addiction does that make sense i mean I, I i get what you're saying for sure but all i was saying was like most ultra runners that get into this sport they've been addicted to something and if you listen to like a lot of the stories yeah um you know like katra corbett she was a you oh know, yeah, she was addicted oh, yeah. to drugs real bad. So yeah. I mean, ultra running is an addiction on its own for some people to help them get off of that. Yeah. I just wonder, like, for them too. I would imagine. I guess they have those same fears, you know. And I guess I've never really thought about that. Like at any point, you could, you know, just like you, like your fear of obesity, and you know, they're probably fear of alcoholism, oh, yeah. or fear of I've know, getting back on drugs, and it's just kind of scary to think about that, that like your new addiction is ultra run. Yeah. You know, and like if that was taken away, something else would show up. What, you know, like I just, it's kind of scary to think about a little bit, you know, I mean, cause I know a lot of people, their mental health is running. Yeah. And, you know, when that gets taken away from them, they feel like they've just lost their entire life, you mm -hmm. know, and, and you hate to see stuff like that. So, um, it just makes me think about that in a whole different way. Like, and that's why community is so important, you know, especially when you're going through an injury because, you know, 
the community is that support that kind of continues to pull you out of that out of that headspace. Mm. You know, after Barn Creek, I was at a place where I really thought I was injured for a while. You know, my orthopedic my orthopedic surgeon was talking about surgery, like no. you know, and it ended up being you know poor muscle development and poor strength training. Um, that Mary, thank God for Mary, helped me work through and fix. Um, and you know, but that that is a very scary place to be, you know, and it is, it is very you're, scary. You're hundred percent right though. You know, it's the community at that point, like you have to lean in and, you know, even if that's signing up to volunteer for an event, yeah. you know, just getting back out there. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, that you don't think about it, but like just because running's taken away from you, the community's not, yeah, great. that's your choice, you know? And if you can get back out there, you can fill some of that void. Um, that's a great point, Micah. It's kind of, it's kind of, uh, ironic. I remember the first race I raced with you guys or the first run I did with you was 1776. And your first race after that was, um, Fort frenzy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys remember but that first year, I did not run Fort Frenzy. I actually volunteered. And I left Fort Frenzy thinking. I was a little bit discouraged leaving Fort Frenzy. My thought process was, man, I don't think I'm ever going to find a place with East Coast Adventures because they're so family. It's like they're one big family, and I don't know how I fit in to that family. And so it was really interesting. Um, And that was just you know, insecurities and everything else coming in from that side. But it was just interesting, ironically, the reasons I love, you know, East Coast Adventures are the same reasons that gave me concern going in. Of, I don't know how I fit with East Coast Adventures because they're so, like, it was it was a family unit. I mean, Mike's wife and his kids were there and Matt and his kids were there and David and his kids were, like, it was a damn family, of you know, family <laughs> get-together, right? And I just, you know, and it was just kind of one of those uh one of those times, but uh, it's a true testament to you guys and, and how you guys built the community. Um, it's really cool to see. We're really cool. To be, really, it's a blessing to be a part of, honestly. But we are yeah. definitely one big family, and it is. We, uh, you know, that's and that's truly what it's about. We need to be able to help each other mm-hmm. and support each other because, I mean, life's hard. Yeah. It is hard. There's going to be great times. There's going to be really rough times. And when those rough times are there, that's when you lean in more and you help each other. And, you know, these events are, are fun and they're a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. But the most rewarding thing is just like that lady that crossed that finish yep. line at Gone Loco. All the, all the shit that we had to do to get everything ready for that race is gone. Yeah. Because just watching you all finish, run that race and cross that finish line and seeing the emotion on your face of accomplishing what you did is the most rewarding thing we could ever ask yeah, for. I agree. And you've seen that and you experienced that. And that's why it becomes a family because you, you, you know, we're there cheering the first person on and the last person on because every person matters. Yeah. Every person counts. Every person deserves the same treatment to finish that race. It doesn't matter how good of a runner you are or not. We're there for you, and we're going to follow you through that whole race because we care. And, you know, I hope people feel that. Yeah. And I hope that's really what we try so hard to do. It's, it's, if you come run a race with us, you are family, yep. period. 
you know, and we try to make it feel that way. And I'm, I'm grateful that you feel that way now, Micah. And I hate that you had a little reservation in the beginning, but you know, I, I see you come around. Well, Micah, we're going to change directions just a little bit. I mean, Matt's going to try to figure out how to unlock his phone and find unlock the phone, scroll through Instagram. Um, but since you already talked about why you run, how does that make you while while he's pulling up the questions i'll ask you another question what do you think is going to be the game changer for you in this race do you think it is your your mindset now or do you think it's just the experience from the dirt circuit like or do you or is there something else you've been working on like what do you feel is going to be your reason for success i think it'll be mindset 100 percent you know, I think it'll be um, where my head is at when things go bad and um, feeding, feeding positive, you know, feeding myself positive, um, productive, you know, statements. And, 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 you know, I put in the work physically um, and I'm preparing logistically. Um, I think between now and at start time is where for me, is where I'm going to really start to explore mentally where I need to be at. And um, the great thing about Mary and her coaching is she's so holistic in everything from diet to training, to strength training, to planning, to where are you at? How are you doing? Right? Like mm-hmm. the relational, like everything we've talked about tonight, me and her have had this conversation time and time again. And, um, and so, you know, uh, we've got three weeks, four week, three weeks now. Yeah. Three weeks left till race day. And, um, you know, really mentally and also just, you know, coming up with the mantra, coming up with something that's going to really feed me during this, during the struggles. Um, remembering my why, just kind of some trigger things that will kind of help me mentally kind of work through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, really coming to grips with pain, you know, I really want to get to a point where, um, I'm where I'm running and I start to feel pain and I can kind of smile and just kind of, you know, kind of embrace it and kind of just like, Oh, there it is. There Let's it is. go. You know, uh, that kind of mentality, uh, with pain and, um, you know, fixing, you know, really working on, on how I view pain and, and, uh, you know, so far for me, pain has been a negative trigger for me. I start to feel pain and it immediately leads to just really demoralizing thoughts and thought processes that go with that. So oh, yeah. adjusting that and flipping that on its head is going to be the key to my, to my success. Well, and just, you know, it sounds like you're ready for that. Like you're, you're ready for when it gets hard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that in itself is a big, di- big difference maker because like, you know, going into that, it's going to get hard and you're going to tell yourself that. So you'll be prepared. Um, so you've kind of, you've are, like you said earlier, you've kind of already raised that level just a little bit, you know? So uh, I love it. All right, Matt. All right. What questions do we have for Mr. Got a Mike? few questions from the listeners on Instagram. And then I've got a few of myself that I've got in here. So here we go. Uh, it says Maka has lost quite a bit of weight along his journey. What advice what uh, does he have for others who might be fighting to lose weight and get into running? It's a great question. Um, like I said, I think that for me personally, in my personal journey, 
I had to lose the weight to be in a place where I could physically start to run. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess it really just depends on your personal journey in terms of where you're at in that journey. Um, I don't recommend running as a way to lose weight. I don't ever recommend running as the goal as if weight loss is the goal. Um, because if in a lot of ways it's, it's counterproductive. Okay. So it's, uh, studies and studies and studies have shown that high intensity workouts and strength training greatly, um, great, you know, are, are much more productive in terms of losing weight and dieting, mm-hmm. and obviously dieting and in relation to running even a steady, steady pace for an hour or whatnot. Um, and then also just the damage on joints and stuff. Everybody's at a different place in their journey. You know, I mean, some, one person being, you know, one person's perception of overweight is different from others. I mean, I still view myself as being overweight. Um, I would, you know, everybody I talk to for the most part doesn't, doesn't see me that way. I still see myself that way. Um, and so obviously I'm in a place where health, health wise I can, I can run and still compete in mm-hmm. uh, the back or the middle of the pack, but you know, at the same, you know, but I can still run. I can still go out there and do that. Um, so I guess it's really just depends on where you are in your journey. Um, if you really want to be successful, um, you've got to really want it. <laughs> um, yeah. if you're in a place of, well, I'll just start tomorrow. Uh, you're never going to get to, you never get, cause there's always tomorrow. Um, until there's not. So if you want to be successful and that's something that you really want, you really got to determine your why and you've got to start today. Don't put off for tomorrow, what you can get done today. So that's true for a lot of things in life, but this specifically, you have to start today or you just never will start. Yeah, that's good. Okay. The next one is, uh, it's a statement about you. It said, uh, just a, just a comment here about him being a bad eight advocate and promoter of others. So somebody recognizes you that you're pushing others, which is good. I love good. how Matt keeps it PG-13. Hey, I and you try know, to you're do dropping all kinds of bombs. I try so. to do my best. Another one here is, uh, could you ask him about the poop and go technique? Uh, he's very efficient at it. So, so uh, his strategy, Marcus. Yeah, so, what is this? I heard, so, I heard stories. Got me about two and a half, two miles in, I needed to go. <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of a flatter section. And so um, there's a porta potty right there at mile three, right about mm-hmm. mile three. Great, great, great location, by the way. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, before you get to it, it's a pretty much coming from the aid station. It's pretty much downhill going out. Um, and so I think I got to definitely sixes. I was running six mile, six minute mile pace and I flew by. Dusty, he goes. Where the hell did you come from? And uh, I was like, "Don't worry, I'm going to stop. You're going to catch me in just a second. And um, and sure enough, I stopped and and used the restroom. And he he was he got ahead of me, and he jokes that I that he that he got ahead of me, and then I caught up to him, and then he got ahead of me again because I had to stop. But that was all part of the plan. I needed to get there so I could uh, take care of business and get back get back to it. Definitely we, ran a lot lighter after that. We call that the poop loop, Micah. That's the poop loop. <laughs> I know all about the poop loop. <laughs> At Elsie last year, it was awful. <laughs> oh, so, okay. The next question here is, um, where would you like to see East Coast Adventures and East Tennessee running community go in the future? 
That's a big Man, one. Man, they're asking you some hard ones. Oh, they got you good. That's a big one. I feel like Mike is the mayor right now. I know. We're doing like, uh, what's, what do they do those? So, when I first got into running, I um, was doing some beer run groups. I did probably every run group in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then um, didn't really find the community that I wanted. Um, and so I, uh, ran a, I actually was an RD for a couple races that, mm-hmm. um, I really kind of, I enjoyed that process. Um, and, you know, I thought they were fairly successful. Um, uh, it's a lot of work, you know, I really, <laughs> really admire you guys in terms of what you do. And you guys were both, you know, instrumental in helping me with those events. Um, couldn't have done them without you guys. So obviously... Uh, you guys were great in that. Um, and when I had first kind of started those events, I was kind of in this, this was late 22, was it 22 or 23? Late 22, 22 yeah. December 22 and April 23. So that kind of time frame. Um, I hadn't really found my community. I had, you know, obviously, um, you know, I volunteer with Dirty Word Events um love love doing the races they have just like two races a year that they do that i help out with um but then you know there's not a really whole lot of community they're kind of more of the mountain bike community there mm-hmm. definitely not into that i can't afford to be into that um <laughs> regardless of whether i want to or not um and so i had started a run group in Maryville that was just not successful i could not create i could not create enough interest for it um and uh it was it was good in the essence of it got me and my daughter out every day and i would run every thursday would take her on a night run and we'd go run the greenway uh pistol creek course and it was it was great for that for that time in my life and really didn't really create a community you know east coast um adventures has really kind of been that spot for me and i think we're really we're really kind of pushed east coast adventures over the over the edge in a lot of ways was your guys' decision to do the race team. And you guys don't promote the race team very much in your in your in your podcast or on the side and and uh, I don't push it too much in, in terms of dirt and vert because I kinda want to share the whole community and I, I do share races and try to do some race updates in that regard. But I just experienced so much camaraderie and community just with the creation of that race team. Um I think as a racer, as a runner and a trail runner, you do not get the full trail experience unless you are in a community where you're an active volunteer as well as a participant. Mm-hmm. Um, being there and supporting someone else in their pursuit of their goal and their accomplishment of their goal is just as critical as you doing that yourself in order to get the full experience, right? Um, that's my personal, that's my personal belief. That's my personal uh, experience. Um, every race that I've ever, every community I've ever been a part of, I've always volunteered first to see the other side of it before I ever raced or ran those groups. Like before I ever did an East Coast Adventure race, I volunteered first. Very first thing I did. Um, and from there, obviously, I ran, I've run every race you guys have had to an extent. So obviously, I like what we, but you know, it's it's a it's a it's it's as much about community in terms of volunteering and crewing and helping as it is being an active participant in it. 
you don't get the full experience unless you do that. So um, I'm really excited about East Coast Adventures. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. Um, you know, looking ahead, looking ahead and looking forward, I really see Cherokee 115 is going to be a pinnacle race for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, pending everything, the um, permits and all that, uh, going forward into the next few years, point to point, real mountain race is going to be a real pinnacle thing for you guys. I think it's really cool and really exciting. But as much as that is a really cool event that you guys are going to have, you have also a very good variety of other races that that appeal to the common man, to the person just running their first ultra, just getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you guys care, the way you guys love your, the right runners, the way you guys love your volunteers, the way you guys love on people and care about people, it shows. I mean, if if you guys weren't doing that, I don't think you would be selling out races. Um, yeah, true. And uh, it always comes back to you. Um, and you wouldn't want to you want to have people that would want to be, you know, involved in your community. Like we have, we you guys have people that are wanting to be involved in your community. Um, I think it's really cool. I think um, you guys' success in getting sponsors this year is a great example of that. Um, you know, selling out Gone Loco. I think it's you guys are just beginning to really see the success. Um, you know, and I. With everything that's going on in the ultra community and the ultra world, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, people coming back to local races. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that that's going to be a real, real big thing for the local race communities. Um, and uh, it'll be cool to see it. Um, I think East Tennessee really needs a really good, strong mountain race. And I think you guys are going to provide that. Georgia's got Georgia Jewel, uh, Cruel Jewel. Um, uh, Virginia's got Mountain Masochist, which is legendary. Um, Tennessee has no business. That's it. Um, really, that's it. So, you know, Cherokee 115, I think, is going to be. I think Cherokee 115 is probably going to be a harder race than no business based on the vert catalog categories that you guys got. That's for. So. Uh, I'm really excited about that for you guys. I think it'll be a real pinnacle. And if, and, uh, if it becomes a real qualifying race, I think it'll be a huge thing for you guys. Um, yeah. We can always add that back. Yeah, let's not. Uh, it's it's coming let's, at some point, let, though. Leave that, leave that to David Lane and those people over in Chattanooga. Oh, they are doing a good job. <laughs> sure yeah. they are. Camp Jordan's going to get wore out. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Love it. I do, too. Don't worry. I've, I've got an idea. I've not even told anyone about yeah he it, mentioned so. it yesterday so we'll, we'll see how this when we invite you to a meeting michael we'll we'll all mm-hmm. discuss that all right we got a few more questions here what kind of strength plan are you doing that's my coach whatever the hell she tells me to he's, do. he's doing the mary strength plan oh, so you're doing all this you have to google everything that you're doing well, hopefully, hopefully mary listens to this oh she mary, will mary has a tendency to uh constantly be changing my strength plan so i never know what the hell i'm going to be doing so if she's listening to this, let's let's stick to something. Well, like <laughs> my, I, spent, she, I spent half my time googling what the hell she's talking about. That's exactly what I had to do. She said, oh, like, "Okay, this is Google. I'm googling. I'm googling. I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, this is stuff I've never saw before. So yeah, but you know, finally so it's like the curtsy, like the curtsy squats. Like, what the hell is that? 
<laughs> All right. Uh, what is your mileage per week? So, yeah. So back to that strength training. I didn't want to blow that off. I just, oh, yeah. drinking. but, um, and I'll tie that into the mileage thing, but, okay. Um, strength training, I'm doing two days a week. Uh, I'm doing primarily legs one day. And then the other day I'm primarily doing a mix, you know, show rotated of shoulders, chest, um, some arm stuff, really mild, 30 to 35 minutes a day for mm-hmm. both, both activities, just enough. Once uh, Croft Mountain kind of is finished, we're going to take a different turn. We're going we're gonna to go on the Dave Compton plan of getting ripped and, and uh, getting swole and getting fast. So uh, we'll be taking a different direction. So there'll be, there'll be a significant increase in strike training at that point. Um, just as I kind no, of go, I'm on plan, I feel kind of yeah. flattered. Go, Damn. go, in, go into a, uh, go into a, a more of a off season kind of strength training wise and try to lose a little bit of weight and kind of be in good, try to get in better shape, physical shape, a little bit faster before I start back training for something in the late fall. Um, and, uh, well, I'll still be running, but I'll have, you know, probably be a, uh, doing more strength training a couple more days a week. Yeah. So three to three to five days a week, um, which is typically what I like to do anyway. So it's actually going to kind of a hold back doing Mary's thing. Um, I was doing a lot, but just time wise and trying to keep up with everything. It's, it's nice to just be able to say, okay, what does Mary have me doing today? And just go do it. Um, yeah. keeps me accountable in that way. So that's great. Um, you know, Mary's, Mary's got me anywhere from 40 to 50 miles a week. Um, she's got me doing, a, a long run once a week. Um, sometimes I'll have to break that up. Um, you know, sometimes she'll have me do it on Saturday and I'll have to move some things around, do it on Sunday or whatnot. Yeah. You know, anywhere from a 20, 20 to 30, you know, 20 mile or to a 50 K pay, you know, 50 K length somewhere in that spectrum kind of over across the board ever since December 1st, we've been doing that. So, um, during the week it's, it's pretty, you know, an hour here every other every day uh, leading up to the weekend. I've got to, I typically take a day off during the weekend just to kind of recover. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm not a high I'm not a high mileage guy at this stage right now. I probably won't be just time constraints. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I had the time to go 100 100 miles a week. Mm-hmm. It would be wonderful. I it, just it don't work for everybody though. It doesn't. Um, and uh, so yeah, so yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm doing about 45, 50 miles. Uh, did you improve your time at Gone Loco? I did improve my time at Gone Loco. Uh, 2023, I was in at 5, 15, 27 or something like that. And then uh, this year, I was in at 5, 21. And 4, 50. Oh, that's eight. right. Yeah, so about 23 minute right. difference there. Look at that. That's pretty good. That, that is good. Well, especially since I wasn't racing it. Training, training run. And you even did a poop loop. <laughs> now, if only if only I could show up to that race not hungover, that would be fantastic. Well, see, well I, need to, I, need to, I need to cancel the party the night before. Yeah, no, you can't in do all, that. In all seriousness. What type of shoes do you wear for the trails? Oh, Lord, trail shoes. Um, well, I was running in... Um, Brooks Cascades really like that. Uh, Brooks Cascades have a solid toe box on top. So if you, if you, if you are typical to, if you trip over rocks easily, or in some cases sidewalks, then the, the hard, uh, 
hard toe is really nice in those situations, really kind of protects your toes. And then I also switched to um, a Sacconi Exodus trail shoe, mm -hmm. uh, which I really, really liked. Um, I say I like them. I really do like them. Um, I last two times I've raced in them, I've really messed. I've really got really bad blisters on the front of my toes. So I don't mm -hmm. know if that's due to impact with the debris and rocks or whatnot, or just the way the shoes are wearing. I've got some rub mm -hmm. and some friction there. So I'm probably going to retire the pair that I've got. I'll probably end up buying another pair because I really do enjoy them. Um, but um, and then I recently switched to uh, a Brooks shoe, which is a little bit lighter. Um, and I, uh, I enjoy those. I'm a little, I, I do pretty well with rotating through some shoes and I haven't really found a trail shoe that I really like. I'm still kind of exploring that. I've really kind of focused. I do most of my training on the road just mm. because of my location in terms of work and everything else. And, um, you know, just for work, I, I train primarily on the road, um, do most of my long runs on the trail like to do that um but uh i have pretty much run in the same pair of road shoes since the beginning um but to kind of mix it up more on the, on the trail my road shoes are um probably one of the only people that run in these um uh, but skywave six um and then i've actually started recently running in the uh triumph Saucony triumph so um, is the the Skywave, is that Mizuno? I got a pair of those. Yeah, they're expensive. Oh, I, got them. Them. I got them for 20 bucks. Gone, 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 long gone, gone, or whatever the hell it is. I got the, the Triumphs at uh, Going, Going, Gone. Yep, Going, Going, Gone, that's it. Yeah, they had a Black Friday, so I got them for I like, I like the, I like the bounce. On, I like the bounce. It feels like I'm flying on those Triumphs. Well, they got a 10 millimeter drop. You, I mean, mm. it's pretty big. True. I'm typically yeah. the the uh, the um, and the Mizuno's, I, think, I think got a twelve. Yeah, they don't feel like me. Yeah. Mine don't feel like it. They feel like I'm running flat footed. Hey, that's why we're all different. Yeah, all right. she's, our, she's our tough one. Last question: uh, What is your favorite hydration? This podcast is sponsored by Hoist. And yeah, I really do enjoy hoist. I um, I've always kind of run with Trailwind. I've I, I I am really blessed. I, I I up to this point, I have I've really had a really good stomach. Um, I can run an ultra and eat pizza and be just fine. I'm I have don't have a sensitive stomach. I like Tailwind. Really do like Tailwind, but I actually like the taste and the. Um, process of um, tailwind I feel is really salty. I feel like there's a lot of sodium in it, so mm -hmm. I like that, like the feeling of drinking it. But hoist is just more refreshing to me. Like, yeah, you know, and I like the bottles more than I like the mix. Make sure you let them know that. Agree with that. And we all uh, agree with that. Bottles are way bottles, are, but uh, <laughs> but yes, hoist hoist is a good call. Yep. Is a good call. Like what, what's your favorite flavor? I'm not too picky. Uh, the watermelon, I think, is the best. I got blue raspberry. I'm kind of the same way you are, Micah. I, I use multiple ones, yeah. and I think Matt does, too. I, too. I use all uh, kinds, but... Like, for this marathon this weekend, I'm going to use uh, Roctane. So, you know, yeah. and, and 
my other two, like Dirt Circuit, I use Scratch the whole time. A couple other races, I've used toys. So, you know, it's... it's Well, it's, it's always good to be able to change them up because after you do drink something over and over and over, you're kind of like, man, I'm tired of drinking this. Yeah. So, like, the even one- in an ultra having multiple different things i think helps i mean that's what i do i have multiple you never know what an aid station is gonna have in a point-to-point race so you might as well get used to drinking a lot of different stuff that's a good that's a good point and i think the other thing that i need to think more of is i'm kind of explore more down the road is hoist is really good and refreshing but hoist doesn't have a very high caloric intake so if you're mm-hmm. just going to drink hoist, you can't just drink hoist as you're so yeah. you've got to yeah. add to it. Whereas tailwind, yeah. you can pretty much drink tailwind just by itself and maybe supplement a goo or two. But they've started coming out, and I, forgive me, I do not know who makes them, but they've started coming out with these carb gels that have like 95 carbohydrates in a single gel. Precision hydration. Precision hydration. And I'm really I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by by that a lot it's a lot it's it's those big gels i've taken them um that's ones you had yeah uh mary Mary actually gave me some at three sisters i used last year i mean they were pretty good but same thing with roctane so that's why i do roctane Roctane. tailwind so roctane two scoops is 250 calories yeah yeah so that's what i do and that's kind of the same as tailwind two scoops is i think yeah. over 200 calories so yeah and i think a bottle um, of poise will give you 70 70 calories yeah. you know so it's, it's very much not, like scratch scratch yeah. is the same way if you're just using regular scratch you have it's to supplement it you have to supplement. Yeah. And, and if and your I body if your body that. won't take if your body won't take solid foods and all you can do is drink and all you've got is hoist you're kind of up a creek without a paddle at that point well and you can go up the other creek too, and that's what I was what I was getting at was like I'd gotten used to like running with scratch and taking a goo, yeah. so like no business I would drink scratch, and I would take two goos every hour. Yeah. That was basically about three hundred calories. Yeah. Well, the first time I did a race with Roctane, I did the same thing with the goos, and David's stomach went really bad uh, oh. pretty quick because i was taking 250 i didn't think about it i was drinking the same amount mm-hmm. as quickly but i was taking those 250 calories and then i hit two goos every couple so hours drinking. within a few hours my stomach was so bad because i was taking like way over 300 something calories yeah, plus you probably process it enough. yeah yeah and it, it blew my stomach up and i yeah. was like okay i've got to quit so like when i'm doing stuff like that now i pay more attention to like my calories and yeah. my gels and what i'm doing but it never even crossed my mind that i was doing that till it was too late that was yeah. a rough race so living you learn ah and but to your point you got to be aware of that so yeah. like when you're going to a race you you've got to be ready for it and like if you're going to take your own stuff great yeah but that only works if someone's going to be there with you at every aid station yep. which more than likely isn't going to happen no yeah. i shared a loop race yeah loop races you can you can set it all up and have your stuff which is a great great place to try a hundred mile for sure loop setting yeah micah do you have any questions for us i'm excited for you guys you guys are gonna go run dave's about to go run his first marathon here three or four days you see he looks yeah. so excited <laughs> you can't tell the way his reaction is he is excited about this marathon mary looked at me earlier she's like i've never seen you like this like you're just 
She's like, I ask you and you just don't seem excited. I'm like, I'm not. I was like, now when race day gets here, it'll be different and I'll be excited when I get to that finish or that start line. Like it'll, it'll happen. I'm just not really sure. It's still three hours. Yeah. I'm like, this is, I just, this to me is the journey. Like this is the journey for where I'm wanting to go later in this year. This is part of the process. I don't have to like it. I don't have to enjoy it. Am I going to show up on that starting line and try to run a 640 pace for 26 miles? Damn right. That sounds awful. I'm going to try my best, but it's a part of the process. It may go bad. It may go good. I don't know, but it's part of that process to get me to where I want to be. And, you know, and, and there's some suck that goes along with that. So here we are. I've got those brand new, new balance elite B fours. That's going to propel me to a six forty pace. That's instantly already five minutes faster. So, (laughs) well, thank you, Micah. Yeah. You're looking more forward to it than I am. Micah, have you ever ran a road marathon? Nope. Never will either. I come do it in Knoxville with us. We got a team going. He says with us, but I can guarantee you that us does not include David. No, it includes me and, (laughs) and whoever else, but. The us so far is Matt. It's me. No, we got me and uh, Kelly signed up. And I'll, I think I'll, be, I'll be there to buy you a beer afterwards. Yeah, I'll, I'll be at the finish line with you, Micah. After I got done last year, here comes Micah. After I get there finish, and he's talking to me, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I said, I got to go. <laughs> Hold and on I a second. Over, <laughs> found the grassiest spot I could, and I'm laying down. Bleh, just letting it go. Uh, and my, yeah. Micah was there to greet me at the finish line. But then I had to tell him, but I had to go throw up. It happens. It happens. Well, thank you, Micah. Any other yes, questions? Sir. I'm all good, man. Good talking to you. We almost hit two hours here. This oh, will no, be man. the official of the long podcast. I guess podcast. you got. I guess you got some cutting to do. No, we won't edit much of this. <laughs> um, I will say, you know, great conversation. I really respect you talking about the addiction piece. Um, I, I just never really have thought about it that way as far as, you know, you've always heard this sport and, you know, a lot of people are addicted to it. A lot of us have addictions, but a different type of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- to talk about that and bring it out and bring in the open is, is very, I think, very cool to see that, you know, other people are struggling with this too. And we don't always think about that and see that. So mm-hmm. I truly respect you and thank you for bringing that up because it's just stuff that kind of gets you know just kind of smoothed over and we don't really ever talk about it yeah and i think also i mean i think that body image and eating disorders is really prevalent in the running community on the female side of things mm -hmm. you never heard it talked about on the male side of things no one's ever talked about it and it's just i don't think it's just as prevalent but i still think it exists yeah and so i'm i I've experienced and I'm living proof of it, um, of the struggle in terms of my relationship with food. So, but, uh, but yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you guys giving the, the space and the platform for me to be able to talk about it. Obviously I, I share this, this part of my journey and this part of my experience. Um, I didn't have any intentions of coming on and like expressing that, like that wasn't the intention of this podcast, but, uh, the platform's important and having the platform to be able to do that's really critical. So, I appreciate you guys for doing that and being open to that discussion. Um, Cause this, these are the discussions that Im- improve uh, our community and yeah. make our community more accessible to others. 
which is what we're trying to do. We want more people to be involved, to experience the joy that we get to experience with running. And the more the more that we can relate to others and have these kind of conversations, we'll open the doors for that. So it's your fault, David. Well, most importantly, I'll, I'll do want to say, like, thank you for what you have brought. Um, you've, you've helped develop the camaraderie and the compassion, and you bring passion to East Coast Adventures with what you're doing. And, and you're right, the, the team has been outstanding yes. and the camaraderie that we see there and we feel there. And mm. it's like when people are going to races, the other parts of the team is going to crew them and to take care of them and mm. to help them and to help the team be successful. And you're a huge part of that. And like, just, we want to say thank you so much. And you're a big reason that, you know, East, East coast adventures is what it is. I mean, we are a family and the bigger we grow and the more people we reach and the more people that we can get involved, we want that feeling to continue to expand and grow and for people to always feel welcome. And that's really what this is all about. It's about opening that door for anybody in this community to come join us, come run with us, yep. come through with us, do whatever you want to do, but just come join us and you'll feel like you're part of something. And yep. that's truly what we want to build and continue to build. So thank you so much for being a Absolutely. huge part of that, Marco. That's a pleasure. It was really, truly, yeah. Well, man, thank you so much. We'll leave you alone at the uh, one hour and 58 minute mark. So thank you, Micah. Sounds good. Thanks, too.